Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page on the line for a happy show, hash brown happy show, after the Nationals beat the Milwaukee Brewers 7-2, win the first of the three games they're playing in there after dropping the first two. One more tomorrow. They have a chance to even it up. On the mound tonight, Dave, Joe Ross, the 22-year-old right-hander, 281 ERA, 284 FIP, 9.47 K per nine, and 51 in the third innings pitch at A before his debut last week versus the Cubs, in which he gave up six hits, three earned runs, 91 pitches in five innings. Matt's kept him around for at least one more start. Wild pitch put a runner in scoring position in the second. A two-out infield single brought Adam Lind in to make it 2-1 to one at that point. Scooter Jeanette with a double. I'm sorry, it made it 1-1 to one at that point. Scooter Jeanette with a double made it 2-1. to one. He stayed in the game, though, put together a strong start. 94 pitches after six, uh, seven innings pitch, 10 of 11 set down at that point. Comes back out for the eighth inning. Surprisingly somewhat, considering pitch count was up there, but ends up going up to 108 pitches, eight innings total, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, eight Ks, earns his first major league W, and... Jordan Zimmerman looked shoddy on the mound last night. We sent a 22-year-old kid out there, and he shuts the Brewers down. Kind of impressive outing there by Joe Ross. Yeah, impressive for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, just the quality of pitching. I mean, two earned runs uh, on seven hits and a walk, uh, eight strikeouts and eight innings, uh, just a really quality effort. Um, a little shaky there in the seventh, there in the second inning, recovered, and uh, just mowed him down the rest of the way. Number two, um, the Nets uh, – bullpen obviously has taken their lumps the last couple of weeks and um and ross pretty much just made it uh made it so that the nets didn't even need to turn to the bullpen tonight um until the ninth inning when casey jansen came in and um and, and closed things out uh, uh without incident so just a really impressive display by by ross uh today uh he's been pretty good in, in both his starts kind of wore down uh late in the last one which uh it's certainly to be expected in your major league debut. I'm sure you've got a lot of adrenaline going, and um, once that adrenaline kind of dissipates, you kind of run out of gas pretty quickly. But um, but he certainly did not today. I mean, he had as much juice uh, in the seventh and eighth inning as, as he did uh, in the first and second inning. So uh, just a tremendous outing for him, and um, and his success, uh, you know, might give the Nats a couple of options uh, once Doug Fister. Uh, returns from the disabled list next week, so uh, we'll have to see how the Nats play it uh, when they have to make those decisions. Yes, you jumped ahead on my question there. My next one, I was going to do a impression of Backstrom from the recently canceled Fox show as well and say that I'm the Nationals. I have Joe Ross coming off a big start, Doug Fister on his way back. I have some needs in the bullpen. Do you keep Joe uh, Ross around possibly and move Tanner Roark back into the bullpen where he started the season considering how well Ross is doing and how – big a need there is in the bullpen at this time? Well, it's a fascinating question, and certainly, um, as I just said, Ross's uh, so far success uh, allows him to contemplate that. Um, you know, look, uh, Tanner Roark started the year off in the pen. Uh, he's, he's come out to make a couple of starts. He's had uh, varying degrees of success, and he's kind of worn down the later as, as the game goes. So, um, you know, Roark is a guy that uh, – um, gives the next some flexibility. I mean, he's a guy that can come in in the pen. He can start. Uh, I, I think you really got to look at, at, at the overall big picture and, and kind of decide what's right um, right now and what's right uh, for these players in the long term. So, um, it, like I said, it's a fascinating question. 
Um, I'm not sure, and I'm not even I'm not trying to evade the question. I'm not sure right now, uh, personally, which way I would go. Um, my initial thought is that uh, with the addition of, of David Carpenter, they'll probably leave Roark in the rotation and send Ross back down. But um, but stranger things have happened. I mean, they, they could certainly um, decide to keep Ross in the rotation and put Roark back in the pen um, and and strengthen the pen that way. So but we'll just have to see how they play it. Um, uh, you know, that, that this is all uh, taking for granted that, that Fister is ready to come off the disabled list at the beginning of next week. Yeah, I agree. You have to get Fister back up there first before you have to make any decisions. But Joe Ross definitely gave him something to think about with today's outing. Looked in control on the mound all day. Made a few nice defensive plays as well. So he's in the game and really put together an impressive start and deserved a win. On the mound for the Brewers, Jimmy Nelson, 3-6, and 405 ERA, 4515, 9.35 K for 9, 233-11, line overall, 208, 267, 425 in Miller Park so far this season. Sinker balling right-hander has a, a knuckle curveball that he was throwing, really nice and breaking ball when he was able to throw it for a strike today. Was a top prospect in the Brewers system, pitching prospect at least going into the 2014 campaign. But back-to-back-to-back singles in the first, Harper drives in Rendon for a one nothing lead there. Escobar, two for two after a two-run home run in the third, puts the Nationals up three to two. They go up five to two later in the game on a blast by Ramos. Uh, not the best outing here from Jimmy Nelson. It was my first look at him. Probably not him at his best today. Five innings pitched, ten hits, seven runs, two walks, both of which were followed by home runs just to compound the free passes there. Three Ks on the day. Ends up throwing 89 pitches in five innings. Not at his best, I think we could safely say. No, uh, definitely not. Uh, Nelson's got some talent. He didn't really uh, um, exhibit it today. You mentioned he's a sinker baller. Um, as as with the Nets, sinker ballers, you, you need to keep the ball down, uh, pitch in the in the bottom half of the zone and let the ball drop out. He wasn't doing that today. Uh, he was leaving the ball very hittable um, in the middle of the third of the play. The Nets were able to take advantage of it, shockingly. Uh, it seems like uh, the Nets haven't scored more than three runs, uh, you know, since since the middle of May, and, um, and they were able to get uh, solid wood on the ball today. Um, you mentioned the home runs following – uh, bases on balls. That it's nice to see them punishing for, you know, punishing the opposing pitcher for their mistakes. And um, you know, the, the, it, it's amazing how how easy it is to score runs when the middle of your order is getting on base. The Nets, three, four, five hitters all had multi-hit days. Escobar with two hits, Harper with three, Wilson Ramos with two. So uh, you get you get good uh, production from the middle of your order. Um, it, it's a lot easier to score runs, and the Nets saw that today. Yeah, the seven for thirteen day from the middle of your order certainly helps and. Uh, the big surprise of the day, I'd say, for Spinoza, Danny Espinoza gets put at first base. Matt Williams said there's been talk about him uh, going out and left, working out and left so far this season, but Williams said he wanted Michael A. Taylor out and left for the best defensive outfield but still wanted Espinoza's bat in the lineup, so they put him at first today. He's now played second, short, third, left in first base, becoming that super utility guy we were joking about earlier this week, but it seems like that's what the Nationals are going to do with him. If he can play all these positions, why not use him there and take advantage of the way he's hitting right now to keep him in the lineup every day? Yeah, it's pretty incredible that uh, that the Nets are going out of their way to get a 253 hitter in the batting order. Um, <laughs> not to take anything away from Espinosa because um, he has provided some decent pop, um, his on-base percentage is, is pretty good despite the, the low batting average. Um, but, yeah, all this effort to get a guy that's hitting 253 into the batting order is really kind of uh, 
uh, kind of impressive. I mean, um, you know, the, the, in the grand scheme of things, having S. Espinosa comfortable playing just about any position on the field helps the Nats because they've had so many injuries in so many different places um, that it's good to have a guy that can fill into these spots um, that can actually provide a little bit of offense. I mean, in the past, the Nats have filled this spot with guys like, um, you know, like like Steve Lombardozzi and uh, and Kevin Franz and guys that just can't hit a lick. So um, having a guy with Espinosa who at least has eight home runs this season um, in that super utility position uh, is a good thing. Now, is it a good thing that they're going out of the way to, to get Espinosa so many at-bats? Um, you know, hard to say. But uh, I think this Nats team is better off um, you know, when when it's healthy and, and, and a, a healthy Ryan Zimmerman at first base and a healthy Jason Worth in left field and a healthy Anthony Rendon at second base and or third base and you know Escobar one way or the other. Um, it's just it, it's amazing that the, that there's so much um, hand wringing and, and and hair pulling and knee and teeth gnashing um, around Nats tail and the Nats still haven't put their best lineup on the field once this season um, at, at any time during the, the year. One of their guys that they, um, you know, quote unquote, their guys, one of their starting players, hasn't been in the in their in the position that they're supposed to be. I mean, Anthony Rendon, um, you know, was missed the, the first 51 games of the season, and Jason Worth has been out, and Ryan Zimmerman has been out, and, and Denard Span has been out, and um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, if and when this Nats team finally gets fully healthy. Um, I think then you'll be able to judge it. I don't think anybody can judge what the Nats are now because we haven't seen the Nats yet. Nationals have shown no sign they're going to consider this, and after their last couple of seasons we have, it's hard to justify sitting Ian Desmond down, but he's really struggling at the plate the last two days. 0 for 8 with 7 Ks in the last two games. He's switching bats, I noticed, when he's coming up in different at-bats. He comes up with a black bat one time, a blonde wood one the next time up trying to do anything he can to get going at the plate there. I, I doubt they're going to do this. I don't think Matt Williams is the kind of guy who's going to sit Ian Desmond, but when everyone's back and healthy, if he's still sitting the way he does, do you give it any consideration if he hasn't picked it up by then, a 230 average after going 0 for 4 with 3Ks today? Well, unfortunately, the quote-unquote when everybody's healthy um, is still yeah, very long. If that ever happened. Yeah. yeah, we have no idea how long Ryan Zimmerman's going to be out uh, uh, Jason Ward's going to be out till at least August, so um, I think this is something that the Nats have to consider before everybody's healthy. Um, if you really want to keep uh, Espinosa's bat in the lineup, maybe the best place to put it is where he's best defensively, to be completely honest, and that's at the shortstop position. I mean, Desmond, um, let's face it, has been terrible, um, and, and he's getting worse. He's not getting better. He, he's... Um, uh, striking at an alarming rate the last week. Um, today's at-bats, he just looked terrible. The last strikeout that he had, swung at three balls in the dirt. I mean, they weren't even close to being strikes. Um, so he's literally just up there, um, you know, hacking and guessing without any sort of um, game plan, without any sort of looking for a pitch and looking to drive it. He's just swinging at whatever the, the hitter's chucking up there right now, and he's an automatic out. And frankly, he's hurting the team. Um, we've seen the, the defensive miscues continue. He bobbled a ball last night that should have been a double play that ended up in, in turning into runs and, um, you know, making longer innings for the starting pitcher. Uh, he certainly hasn't been as bad as he was the first three or four weeks of the season. But um, but the defensive miscues continue. And, um, you know, as much as he wants to help and as much as um, the Nats want him 
to be the player that they expected him to be. Um, he's just not right now, and, and perhaps a couple of days off would help him either clear his head or at least get his offer out of the lineup and make it easier for the Nets to try to win ball games. Yeah, we've both watched his entire career, seen him turn things around. Once the weather heats up, he starts to heat up at the plate too, but there are no signs of it. You keep on waiting for that one game where you see him kind of get locked in there and start to turn things around. But so far we haven't seen it from Ian Desmond, and as you mentioned, the last two days just looks completely lost. Seven Ks and eight at-bats just insufferable. That's not doing anything to help the lineup. He's not getting on base at all, and it's tough to watch at times. You hope he turns it around at some point, but... On the other side of the spectrum, you have Bryce Harper. His walk in the fifth was his 52nd versus 51 Ks so far this season. Not many people in the major leagues do that. Uh, He's stealing Anthony Rendon's act from college, as I mentioned in my notes here. Three for three with a walk after an RBI single off Neil Cotts in the sixth. So, of course, he gets hit in his next at bat. 90-something, mid-90s fastball right to his back knee. No way to get out of the way for it. He looks like he's hurt. He hobbles off the field after that. No intention on my on the part of Neil Cotts there, but he nailed him with that pitch in the knee and something you really don't want to see the way Bryce Harper's going and the way the Nationals are dealing with injuries right now. No, you don't, and, and that's going to hurt either way. It, it looked like um, like it got him just above the knee, so it didn't actually get him on the kneecap or the, the hard part of the knee there. But, um, but either way, that's going to really hurt. I mean, that's a soft spot there, so um, it wouldn't shock me to see him out of the lineup tomorrow and give it a day off, but especially since, uh, um, you know, since, since it's an early game, but, uh, um, let's just keep our fingers crossed. I mean, the, the reports coming out on Twitter post game, um, you know, Harper said it, it hurts pretty bad. Um, 95 to the knee don't feel very good, man. I can't imagine it does. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's hope for the best that it's just a soft tissue, um, and, and get him a day off of it and, and, and he'll be able to, to get right back in the lineup. Before we wrap up for the night, as far as I can tell, uh, Trey Turner signed with the San Diego Padres on the 13th last year, 13th of June, uh, June. so he should be eligible to be shipped as the player to be named later in the trade that also brought Joe Ross over to the Nationals this winter. Could have what will basically be the top infield prospect in the organization coming over. Uh, so far this season, 323, 387, 475 lines, 13 doubles, three triples, five home runs in 57 games, 258 plate appearances at Double A in the Padres system. I'm assuming he's probably going to start at Double A when he gets over here. He'll make a nice middle infield combo with Wil- Wilmer Dyfo, who has moved up there. I think that's not a coincidence that he's at Double A when this is about to start happening. So, what do you think about them adding Trey Turner tomorrow or as soon as they can in the next few days? Yeah, I, I looked at uh, Trey Turner's stats the other day and uh, just brought a smile to my face. I mean, you like to see a guy that's uh, that's making contact, that's getting on base, that has good on-base skills, um, that's got a little bit of pop. Um, by all accounts, he's a quality defensive player, and um, and that ought to be real fun for, for Harrisburg fans um, to see uh, Daifo and, and Turner playing together in the middle of the field. Um, I mean, who knows, in, in, in a year, two, three, uh, we might be seeing that every night on a nightly basis at, at Nats Park with uh, with Anthony Rendon over at third base. So that'd be uh, um, it's going to be a lot of fun for Harrisburg folks to, to be able to watch that this summer. Got the series finale tomorrow, 2.10 p.m. out of uh, in the east, at least, out of Miller Park. Max Scherzer versus Taylor Youngman in the series finale. Nationals 32-30 and 30 after they win today. 7-2 final. Congrats to Joe Ross on his first major league win. That's nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. We'll talk to you after tomorrow's game, Dave. Sounds good. Have a good night.
Dogcast is going to happen.